Volume One, Chapter Three of Guy Mannering. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Guy Mannering, or The Astrologer, by Sir Walter Scott. Volume One, Chapter Three. Do not the histories of all ages relate miraculous presages of strange turns in the world's affairs foreseen by astrologers soothsayers chaldeans learned genethliacs and some that have writ almanacs hudibras the circumstances of the landlady were pleaded to mannering first as an apology for her not appearing to welcome her guest and for those deficiencies in his entertainment which her attention might have supplied and then as an excuse for pressing an extra bottle of good wine i cannot well sleep said the laird with the anxious feelings of a father in such a predicament till i hear she's gotten o'er with it and if you sir are not very sleepery and would do me and the dominie the honour to sit up with us i am sure we shall not detain you very late lucky howitson is very expeditious there was once a lass that was in that way she did not live far from hereabouts ye needna shake your head and groan dominie i am sure the kirk dues were a will paid and what can man do mair it was laid till her error she had a sark o'er her head and the man that she since wotted does not think her a pin the wearer for the misfortune they live mr mannering by the shore side at annan and a fair decent orderly couple with six as fine bairns as ye would wish to see plash in a salt-water dub and little curly godfrey that's the eldest the come a will as i may say he's on board an excise yacht i have a cousin at the board of excise that's commissioner bertram he got his commissionership in the great contest for the county that ye must have heard of for it was appealed to the house of commons now i should have voted there for the laird of balruddery but ye see my father was a jacobite and out with kenmore so he never took the oaths and i cannot will how it was but all that i could do and say they keep it me off the roll though my agent that had a vote upon my estate ranked as a good vote for old sir thomas kittlecourt but to return to what i was saying lucky howitson is very expeditious for this lass here the desultory and long-winded narrative of the laird was interrupted by the voice of some one ascending the stairs from the kitchen story and singing at full pitch of voice the high notes were too shrill for a man the low seemed too deep for a woman the words as far as mannering could distinguish them seemed to run thus canny moment lucky fit is the lady lighter yet be it lad or be it lass sign with the cross and sane with mass it's meg merrilies the gypsy as sure as i am a sinner 
said mr bertram the dominie groaned deeply uncrossed his legs drew in the huge splay foot which his former posture had extended placed it perpendicularly and stretched the other limb over it instead puffing out between whiles huge volumes of tobacco smoke what need ye groan dominie i am sure meg's sangs do no ill nor good neither answered dominie sampson in a voice whose untunable harshness corresponded with the awkwardness of his figure they were the first words which mannering had heard him speak and as he had been watching with some curiosity when this eating drinking moving and smoking automaton would perform the part of speaking he was a good deal diverted with the harsh timber tones which issued from him but at this moment the door opened and meg merrilies entered her appearance made mannering start she was full six feet high wore a man's greatcoat over the rest of her dress had in her hand a goodly slowthorn cudgel and in all points of equipment except her petticoats seemed rather masculine than feminine her dark elf-locks shot out like the snakes of the gorgon between an old-fashioned bonnet called a bongrace heightening the singular effect of her strong and weather-beaten features which they partly shadowed while her eye had a wild roll that indicated something like real or affected insanity a oh, well ellangowan she said would it no have been a bonny thing and the leddy had been brought to bed and me at the fair of drumshorlock no kenning nor dreaming a word about it what was to have keep it away the worry cows i trow ay and the elves and gyre carlings from the bonny bairn grace be with it ay or said st calm's charm for its sake the dear and without waiting an answer she began to sing trefoil vervain john's wart deal hinders witches of their will weal is them that weal may fast upon st andrew's day st bride and her brat st calm and his cat st michael and his spear keep the house from reef and ware this charm she sung to a wild tune in a high and shrill voice and cutting three capers with such strength and agility as almost to touch the roof of the room concluded and now laird will ye no order me a tass o brandy that you shall have meg sit down yont there at the door and tell us what news ye have heard at the fair drumshorlock troth laird and there was muckle wand of you and the like of you for there was a when bonny lasses there forby myself and deal ain to give them hansels well meg and how many gypsies were sent to the tollbooth troth but three laird for there were ne'er more in the fair by myself as i said before and i even gave them lug-bail for there's no ease in dealin with quarrelsome folk and there's dunbog has worn the red rotten and john young off his grounds black be his cast he's no gentleman 
nor dreps blew it a gentleman would grudge twa gangrel per bodies the shelter of a waste-house and the thristles by the roadside for a bit cutty and the bits o rotten burk to boil their drap parritch with weel there's an abune a uh, but we'll see if the red cock crow not in his bonny bonyard a morning before day dawning hush meg hush hush that's not safe talk what does she mean said mannering to sampson in an undertone fire-raising answered the laconic dominie who or what is she in the name of wonder harlot thief witch and gypsy answered sampson again oh troth laird continued meg during this by talk it's but to the like o you and can open their heart ye see they say dunbog is na mair a gentleman than the blunker that's bigot the bonny house down in the town but the like o you laird that's a real gentleman for some money hundred years and never huns poor folk off your ground as if they were mad tykes none of our folk would stir your gear if ye had as many capons as there's leaves on the trysting tree and now some o ye mon lay down your watch and tell me the very minute of the hour the ween's born and i'll spay its fortune ay but meg we shall not want your assistance for here's a student from oxford that kens much better than you how to spay its fortune he does it by the stars certainly sir said mannering entering into the simple humour of his landlord i will calculate his nativity according to the rule of the triplicities as recommended by pythagoras hippocrates diocles and avicenna or i will begin ab ora questionis as haley messahala genwehis and guido bonatus have recommended one of sampson's great recommendations to the favour of mr bertram was that he never detected the most gross attempt at imposition so that the laird whose humble efforts at jocularity were chiefly confined to what were then called bites and barns since denominated hoaxes and quizzes had the fairest possible subject of wit in the unsuspecting dominie it is true he never laughed or joined in the laugh which his own simplicity afforded nay it is said he never laughed but once in his life and on that memorable occasion his landlady miscarried partly through surprise at the event itself and partly from terror at the hideous grimaces which attended this unusual cachination the only effect which the discovery of such impositions produced upon this satyrine personage was to extort an ejaculation of prodigious or very facetious pronounced syllabically but without moving a muscle of his own countenance on the present occasion he turned a gaunt and ghastly stare upon the youthful astrologer and seemed to doubt if he had rightly understood his answer to his patron i am afraid sir said mannering turning towards him you may be one of those unhappy persons who their dim eyes being unable to penetrate the starry spheres and to discern 
therein the decrees of heaven at a distance have their hearts barred against conviction by prejudice and misprision truly said sampson i opine with sir isaac newton knight and umwhile master of his majesty's mint that the pretended science of astrology is altogether vain frivolous and unsatisfactory and here he reposed his oracular jaws really resumed the traveller i am sorry to see a gentleman of your learning and gravity labouring under such strange blindness and delusion will you place the brief the modern and as i may say the vernacular name of isaac newton in opposition to the grave and sonorous authorities of Dariot, bonatus ptolemy haley etzler diderick nabob harford zale tostetter agrippa duritus magnus origen and argal do not christians and heathens and jews and gentiles and poets and philosophers unite in allowing the starry influences commonest error it is a general mistake answered the inflexible dominie sampson not so replied the young englishman it is a general and well-grounded belief it is the resource of cheaters knaves and cozeners said sampson abusus non tolet usum the abuse of anything doth not abrogate the lawful use thereof during this discussion ellangowan was somewhat like a woodcock caught in his own springe he turned his face alternately from the one spokesman to the other and began from the gravity with which mannering plied his adversary and the learning which he displayed in the controversy to give him credit for being half serious as for meg she fixed her bewildered eyes upon the astrologer overpowered by a jargon more mysterious than her own mannering pressed his advantage and ran over all the hard terms of art which a tenacious memory supplied and which from circumstances hereafter to be noticed had been familiar to him in early youth signs and planets in aspect sextile quartile trine conjoined or opposite houses of heaven with their cusps hours and minutes almutin almacodon anabibazin catabibazin a thousand terms of equal sound and significance poured thick and threefold upon the unshrinking dominie whose stubborn incredulity bore him out against the pelting of this pitiless storm at length the joyful annunciation that the lady had presented her husband with a fine boy and was of course as well as could be expected broke off this intercourse mr bertram hastened to the lady's apartment meg merrilies descended to the kitchen to secure her share of the groaning malt and the kenno and mannering after looking at his watch and noting with great exactness the hour and minute of the birth requested with becoming gravity that the dominie would conduct him to some place where he might have a view of the heavenly bodies the schoolmaster 
without further answer rose and threw open a door half sashed with glass which led to an old-fashioned terrace walk behind the modern house communicating with the platform on which the ruins of the ancient castle were situated the wind had arisen and swept before it the clouds which had formerly obscured the sky the moon was high and at the full and all the lesser satellites of heaven shone forth in cloudless effulgence the scene which their light presented to mannering was in the highest degree unexpected and striking we have observed that in the latter part of his journey our traveller approached the seashore without being aware how nearly he now perceived that the ruins of ellangowan castle were situated upon a promontory or projection of rock which formed one side of a small and placid bay on the seashore the modern mansion was placed lower though closely adjoining and the ground behind it descended to the sea by a small swelling green bank divided into levels by natural terraces on which grew some old trees and terminating upon the white sand the other side of the bay opposite to the old castle was a sloping and varied promontory covered chiefly with copsewood which on that favoured coast grows almost within watermark a fisherman's cottage peeped from among the trees even at this dead hour of night there were lights moving upon the shore probably occasioned by the unloading a smuggling lugger from the isle of man which was lying in the bay on the light from the sashed door of the house being observed a halloo from the vessel of warehawk douse the glim alarmed those who were on shore and the lights instantly disappeared it was one hour after midnight and the prospect around was lovely the grey old towers of the ruin partly entire partly broken here bearing the rusty weather-stains of ages and there partially mantled with ivy stretched along the verge of the dark rock which rose on mannering's right hand in his front was the quiet bay whose little waves crisping and sparkling to the moonbeams rolled successively along its surface and dashed with a soft and murmuring ripple against the silvery beach to the left the woods advanced far into the ocean waving in the moonlight along ground of an undulating and varied form and presenting those varieties of light and shade and that interesting combination of glade and thicket upon which the eye delights to rest charmed with what it sees yet curious to pierce still deeper into the intricacies of the woodland scenery above rolled the planets each by its own liquid orbit of light distinguished from the inferior or more distant stars so strangely can imagination deceive even those by whose volition it has been excited that mannering while gazing upon these brilliant bodies was half inclined to believe in the influence ascribed to them by superstition over human events but mannering was a youthful lover and might perhaps be influenced by the feelings so exquisitely expressed by a modern poet for fable is love's world his home his birthplace 
delightedly dwells he mong fays and talismans and spirits and delightedly believes divinities being himself divine the intelligible forms of ancient poets the fair humanities of old religion the power the beauty and the majesty that had their haunts in dale or piney mountain or forest by slow stream or pebbly spring or chasms and watery depths all these have vanished they live no longer in the faith of reason but still the heart doth need a language still doth the old instinct bring back the old names and to yon starry world they now are gone spirits or gods that used to share this earth with man as with their friend and to the lover yonder they move from yonder visible sky shoot influence down and even at this day it's jupiter who brings whatever is great and venus who brings everything that's fair such musings soon gave way to others alas he muttered my good old tutor who used to enter so deep into the controversy between hayden and chambers on the subject of astrology he would have looked upon the scene with other eyes and would have seriously endeavoured to discover from the respective positions of these luminaries their probable effects on the destiny of the new-born infant as if the courses or emanations of the stars superseded or at least were coordinate with divine providence well rest be with him he instilled into me enough of knowledge for erecting a scheme of nativity and therefore will i presently go about it so saying and having noted the position of the principal planetary bodies guy mannering returned to the house the laird met him in the parlour and acquainting him with great glee that the boy was a fine healthy little fellow seemed rather disposed to press further conviviality he admitted however mannering's plea of weariness and conducting him to his sleeping apartment left him to repose for the evening End of volume one, chapter three.